My name's Greg Knapp. This is the Greg Knapp Experience, your 20-minute thrill ride for your commute or your workout. Biden should apologize to Trump. I'll tell you why. I've got some quick headlines on the very latest on COVID, some good, some bad. The reason a man blew up his Tesla and a judge rules that ousting deported illegal aliens caught crossing back into our country again is racist. It's all coming up this edition of the Greg Knapp Experience. Let's go. All right. So why does Biden owe Trump an apology? Rich Lowry has a great piece on it. And he says, look, it's been said time and time and time again. We've even talked about on the show multiple times that Trump almost single handedly killed thousands, thousands of Americans. Chris Hayes, MSNBC, a couple months ago, called for a Truth and Reconciliation Commission inquiry into how Trump willfully got hundreds of thousands of people killed. Whoopi Goldberg, this blood is on his hands. And you remember the presidential debate, I told you this many, many times, where Biden said of Trump, anyone who's responsible for that many deaths should not remain as president of the United States of America. And of course, we're waiting for his resignation. And he didn't just say it once. They said it over and over and over. They were pounding on that for the election. And many believe, and I'm one of them, the reason Trump lost the re-election was because of COVID. And that was all based on lies. Because what have we seen since Biden took over? It has not gotten better. It's gotten worse. It's gotten worse. The peaks and the troughs have proceeded in keeping with the seasons, the emergency variants and other underlying conditions, says Lowry. And yeah, and if you think about it, well, Greg, the difference is, you know, people just aren't taking the vaccine. These people that hate Biden, it's all political. And okay, you are correct that there are some people about, what, 27 percent of America at the most that are saying they're not going to take the full vaccination protocol. But wait a second. When Trump was in office. There was no vaccine until the end when a lot of his efforts led to us actually creating them. So for almost all of 2020, there were no vaccines at all. And yet more people now have died of COVID under Biden with the vaccines. 243 million people, at least one dose of the vaccine. than under Trump with none of the vaccines. Hmm. Yet somehow Trump was bad. Biden is good. Biden was going to shut down the virus. And now we have record setting days of cases of COVID in the United States of America. In Biden's convention speech, quote, we'll develop and deploy rapid tests with results available immediately. And in his COVID plan, he slammed Trump for testing shortages and pledged to implement widespread testing and tracing. And where is that? Nowhere to be found. People are waiting in line for tests. It was supposed to be this great federal plan he had. And now, of course, oh, this isn't going to be saved, sir, uh, solved Excuse me, at the federal level. Except then he came out and said, but I do have a federal plan. <laughs> and what Lowry gets to that I think is so true is he says this. No one on the left wanted to give Trump the benefit of the doubt when mistakes were made. It was willful. He wanted to kill people. It's all how awful and evil he is. But the possibility that Biden, his supporters, were never willing to admit was that. The same one that they're claiming now for Biden. That the suffering and the death were never attributed chiefly to the virus. The bureaucratic mistakes never attributed to well-meaning people just struggling within outdated systems and trying circumstances. The policy disagreements never attributed to sincere differences about how best to try to get out of the pandemic and where the balance should be struck between restrictions to control the virus and their inevitable downsides. Nope, it was willful by Trump. 
So where is the apology from Biden, from the Democrats, from the media, from the celebrities on Twitter? But I repeat myself, where is the apology? If you're Trump, don't hold your breath, but he sure does deserve it. Oh, speaking of Biden and what he's been doing wrong. Okay. How about the lies? Matt Welsh. I love this. He, he put this out yesterday, I think it was. And he said, look, just two weeks ago, Biden said, if you're vaccinated, you do not spread the disease to anybody else. The president of the United States should be well informed to know that that is a lie. Tuesday, in a single tweet, he wrote, Build Back Better is fully paid for. We know it's not. It will not increase the deficit. We know, of course, that it would. It won't raise taxes by one penny for anyone making less than $400,000 a year. Well, the tax policy center says roughly 20 percent to 30 percent of middle income households will households will pay more in taxes in 2022. Lie, 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 lie. He should know better. So he either is lying purposefully and the media is coming up for him because, after all, you know, we got to get these things passed. And so sometimes you have to exaggerate a little or you have to shade the truth a little or, you know, they're noble lies. It's different than when Trump was lying or he's just an idiot and doesn't know. And it could be a combination of the both. Nicarama points out some on the left when you point out the stumbles that Biden makes on the podium and the lies that he tells and how confused he seems say, oh, well, you're just making fun of his stutter. You know, he's just got a speaking problem. He's got a stutter. Are you going to make fun of stutterers? And Nicarama says, wait a second. It isn't a stutter when he doesn't know the difference between testing kits and pills. I don't know if you saw that one. He kept confusing those. It isn't a stutter when he lies and says he didn't reject a testing kit plan. When a very well-sourced article says he did. It isn't a stutter when he claims repeatedly to have been a tractor-trailer driver when he wasn't. It isn't a stutter when he tells stories that can't possibly be true over and over again, like the one with the guy in Amtrak, the conversation he had with the guy who was dead at the time he claimed to have the conversation with him, and he keeps telling it over and over and over again. And it isn't a stutter to lie about leaving Americans in Afghanistan, as he did multiple times, calling those things an excuse for a stutter is to ignore the problems that Biden really has with the truth and with his cognitive functioning. And that man supposedly is governing the nation. Hey, my name is Greg Knapp. And if you like the show, I hope that you will tell three friends to tell three friends and be part of the movement to push back on the left and what they keep trying to say about America and how it's systemically racist and it's evil and all this other nonsense and rally around what makes America exceptional, which is the founding documents and the idea of America. So if you're in on that, please tell three friends to tell three friends to listen to the show and like my Greg Knapp Experience Facebook page. That'll keep you up to date with everything I'm doing. Subscribe and share the podcast and let's see if we can keep this thing going. I really appreciate you. All right. So Biden, as I mentioned, claimed there was no federal solution. And now he says... My administration has the back of every governor fighting COVID-19. Last week, I rolled out a federal plan to tackle Omicron by adding vaccination and booster capacity, hospital equipment, staff, and more. But wait, there's no federal plan. Well, there's no federal plan that will totally do it, but but I want to be a part of it. Okay, all right. Yeah. How about you back off the stupid vaccine uh, mandates? Because we've got some serious stories on those here in just a second. First... New COVID-19 cases in the United States are now at the highest levels on record. Kathleen Foody pointing out new cases per day have more than doubled over the past two weeks. That eclipses the old mark of 250,000 that was set in mid-January. Johns Hopkins University keeps the data. And now I'm sure you've, you've seen these articles written by some of the left-wing pundits in places like the Washington Post, but also Democrats. So we've got Democrats, we've got pundits, we've got people on Twitter saying, 
You know, if you're unvaccinated, you shouldn't even be treated in the hospital. You're, you're just clogging up the hospital. Or maybe we'll treat you, but only after the vaccinated are treated. You know, you guys are like drunk drivers. Okay, wow. Okay, first of all, let's take that last thing first. Let's, let's say that unvaccinated people are like drunk drivers. Full disclosure, I'm vaccinated. Uh, took the two shots. Not so sure about the boosters, but that was my choice. I think you should have the right to whatever choice you want to take because this is this thing called America. So let's just take their thing about, oh, if you're unvaxxed, you're like a drunk driver. If we would even agree with that, when a drunk driver comes into the emergency room, do they say, don't treat this guy, he's a drunk driver? No, we don't do that. We save his life. I mean, when we have gangbangers shooting it out in the street and they come in with bullet holes all over them, do we say, up, oh, gangbangers, don't treat them, let them die? No, we treat them because we are compassionate and we want to save lives. And we are not in the hospitals in the business of deciding who lives and who dies based on whether we agree with their behavior. But for the unvaccinated, all, all bets are off. By the way, with Omicron, as we brought you a couple weeks ago, the majority who are getting it so far are vaccinated. So... If a vaccinated person comes to the hospital with it, well, they tried their best. You know, I mean, just uh, but if an unvaccinated, well, it's his fault. This is not how we should be treating a disease. No, 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 no. And no. Most reported U.S. Omicron cases have hit the fully vaccinated. That was the Reuters report from December 10th. I just wanted to remind you I didn't make it up. Now, I don't know what the very latest is because they don't release it as, as often as I would like them to. We'll keep an eye on that. Callie Patterson has a piece about unvaccinated Marines. And several active duty Marines spoke out to Fox News. They say that the Marine Corps' best and brightest are being forced out due to this vaccine mandate. And one lieutenant colonel said that the Pentagon was looking to discharge members, quote, as fast as they can and as brutally as they can, damaging every Marine as much as they can on the way out. Does that sound right? The officer claimed they were warned by a colonel, quote, tread very carefully. This is political. You will be crushed like an ant. End quote. And if you've ever been in the military or, you know, people who have been in the military, you know that your career can be squashed like an ant if the government decides you're persona non grata. And that certainly looks like what they're doing now to the people who don't want to be vaccinated. So one of the uh, Marines said, do I want to continue serving an institution that crushes people for bringing up reasonable points and defending their faith? They're wanting religious exemptions from the vaccine. And, well, we don't we don't do that. And uh, we, we, we past seven years, we haven't given anybody a, a an exception for religious reasons for a vaccine. Yeah, but those are for old vaccines. This thing's brand new. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. A major with over 17 years of active service in the Marines called the vaccine mandate an unconstitutional edict that is targeted as a political purge. Wow. Well, they got 180,000 active duty force, uh, 5% unvaccinated at the deadline. A master sergeant said, the louder I speak, the tighter the screws are turned against me. Now, as of December 23rd, 3,192 religious exemption requests were made by Marines. And by that date, 3,080 of them were processed and denied. Not a single one had been approved. Marines, so far, Marines are allowed to apply for the considerations, but don't hold your breath. Now, some Marines claim their religious exemption applications have been declined without consideration. Eight rejection letters provided to Fox cited military readiness as why they were denied. So let me ask you something. If you take 5% of 180,000, that's what, 9,000? Getting rid of 9,000 
highly trained and experienced Marines, does that increase or decrease your military readiness? I mean, you know, just axing 9,000, you're out, compared to maybe some of them getting sick. Remember, these are very young, very healthy men, and that's the best way for military readiness? No, no, it's political, for sure. Peter Aitken has this. Some vaccine mandates may leave the U.S. vulnerable at home and abroad as the Omicron numbers surge. Yeah, I brought you this a few months ago or when they first started talking about mandated vaccines. I can't remember the exact date, okay? But if you remember, I did a bit where I said vaccine mandates are dangerous. And I was I thought it'd be a deplatform. Maybe I'll get booted off Twitter and Facebook. And I, I did get a little warning and this and that. And here's what I meant by it. If you have vaccine mandates that force these experienced people out of their jobs and it's life-saving work, like the military, the police, the firefighters, the doctors, the nurses, the surgeons, that is dangerous. When you lose 5 to 10% of your experienced staff, that is more dangerous than some of them getting sick. That's why you don't just go based on what, quote, a health official said. You look at the full ramifications of what you're going to do. Maybe we should start doing that again. Just an idea. I know it sounds kind of nutty. Roberto Wackerell has a piece about Joe Biden and First Lady Jill. You've probably seen these photos now. They were out walking their new puppy on the beach. It was cute, cute, cute. But they're outside by themselves and they have masks on. That is about the dumbest thing I've ever seen. They live together without masks on. They're walking together with no one around them. They're outside with great ventilation and they're wearing a mask. You want to talk about Kabuki Theater, there it is on big display. And I'm sure they'll say, well, he wanted to set a good example. It's not a good example. It's not. It would have been better to say, oh, the president and the first lady are walking without masks on because they're alone and they live together and they both are tested every day and they're out in the air. That would have been better than what they're doing there. David Axe reports on that new COVID pill. You know, I've told you about them and it sounded like a really good thing and I hope it still is. I think the flu vaccinating that I told you about yesterday might even be better, but there's some bad news with the new pills from Merck and from Pfizer. And one of the things is that Merck's pill is not nearly as effective as they initially claimed. It looks like it would only prevent death by about 33%. Both pills work only if you take them within five days of your first symptoms and a problem with that is many people don't even know they're infected in time to get the prescription to start taking the pills in time. Uh, the One of the guys in charge of this says, a lot of people don't get tested right away. If you don't catch it early, three to five days, these pills won't help you. And of course, they're not cheap. The Paxlovid from Pfizer, about 500 bucks. The other one from Merck, about 700 bucks. The good news is the supposedly, you know, uh, the stuff that we've seen, and I sure hope it's true, Paxlovid, around 88% effective at preventing death. But as I told you, the Merck one, only about 33% effective. So there's good news and bad news there. Uh, I'll tell you what, if, if, if I get COVID and I get these symptoms, I'm going to be all in on that flu vaccinine that I told you about yesterday. Um, I'll certainly look at the monoclonals, certainly look at the Pfizer pill. I mean, I'm going to be throwing the kitchen sink at this thing. Why not? Leah Barkosis, and and again, full disclosure, when I talk about that kind of stuff, man, I think everybody has the right to decide that on their own with their doctor. I Because I don't think that I have the right to tell you what to do. I know that's kind of crazy. Leah Barkoukas has this in a letter to Health and Human Services Secretary Javier Becerra. 
Florida Surgeon General Joseph Larapo has accused the Biden administration of actively preventing the distribution of the monoclonals. Remember, I told you that shortly after Florida hit about 100,000 people being treated with the monoclonal treatments without any advance notice, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services came in and said, we're going to reduce the amount that Florida gets. I mean, we just can't Florida using all this. And it was right about the time that President Biden had said that he was going to go around governors like DeSantis. And you're like, wait a second, do you have a shortage right now? No, but we have to save it for later. Well, how about we treat people that need it now? No, because you guys are awful. And how about you produce more of it? And and so what happened was DeSantis goes, all right, I'm going to acquire a different monoclonal. And so he's been doing that. But according to the Florida Surgeon General, quote, the federal government is actively preventing the effective distribution of monoclonal antibody treatments in the U.S. The sudden suspension of multiple monoclonal antibody therapy treatments from distribution to Florida removes a healthcare provider's ability to decide the best treatment options for their patients in this state. This short-sightedness is especially evident given that the federal government effectively prohibited states from purchasing these monoclonal antibodies and serving their populations directly. Yeah, it's about time somebody called them out. Why would you try to prevent that? Why would you actively prevent a state from doing this, especially after you told them there was no federal solution? One more thing on this. Uh, Greg Piper has a couple great pieces on, once again, big tech and COVID. Have you ever checked out the Just the News website, justthenews.com? It's John Solomon. He used to work in mainstream media and he got tired of the bias. And I think it's probably the least biased news source I know of right now. Well, he just presents the facts and then lets you come up with your own opinions. He doesn't put an opinion in there. Or Twitter suspended his account for sharing an article about the legal distinctions between Pfizer's fully approved and emergency use authorization vaccines. Did you know there were two? There are two. The social media company is warning users who click on the link to the article that it may be unsafe, could lead to real world harm, where the just the news people got an immunologist to look at it and said, hmm, it's just facts. Yeah, here's what his 27 tweet shared. Pfizer to continue distributing version of COVID-19 vaccine not fully approved by the FDA. That is absolutely true. You may not like that, but it is absolutely true. The report noted that Pfizer and several experts have claimed that the fully approved Comirnaty vaccine has the same ingredients and manufacturing process as the EUA vaccine. But it also cited the FDA's acknowledgement that the two are legally distinct, owing to more stringent requirements for the Comirnaty vaccine. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. The biologics license for that one was approved. Now, it's not just, just the news saying this. In a legal challenge to the U.S. military vaccine mandate, a federal judge ruled in November, quote, FDA licensure does not retroactively apply to the EUA vaccine shipped before the BLA approval. U.S. District Judge Alan Windsor cited Department of Defense guidance that limits mandates to fully approved vaccines, which must be, quote, produced at approved facilities, end quote. So this is a factually correct story that John Solomon from Just the News tweeted out. And yet he was banned from Twitter because they said it was going to be dangerous. So the truth is now dangerous. And they get to decide whether you get to hear the truth or not. Wow. Greg Piper followed up on that. Uh, Some good news. The rapid spread of the Omicron variant of COVID-19 worldwide, according to a study from the Gates Foundation and South African and U.S. and U.K. government agencies, 
the rapid spread of Omicron may have positive implications in terms of decreasing the COVID-19 burden of severe disease. Why? Well, South Africa research suggests that the infection with Omicron protects against a more severe variant. And peer-reviewed study finds that robust cross-reactive and sustained immune responses come from the COVID in children. So, again, it's like that super immunity we told you about the other day. You get this less intense one, especially if you've already been vaccinated and your antibodies shoot through the roof and looks like it could protect you way more than just being vaccinated. Hmm. Interesting. Now, I want to talk to you about Fauci's retirement package. Did you see this? Fauci is 81 years old. He says that he's not planning on retiring anytime soon. He's worked for 55 years as a federal employee. But if he retired tomorrow, his retirement would exceed $350,000 a year. Did you know he's the highest compensated federal employee for a second year in a row? He earned $434,312 in 2020. That's the most recent year the data was available. That's more than the president. That's more than every single federal employee, which includes 4.3 million. 4.3 million people working for the federal government. He earned 434312 last year. Wow. That's amazing. Just the news staff reporting on a dude in Finland. He bought a used Tesla Model S. Now, the problem with buying used ones is the batteries start to go out. And the problem with that is the battery is the most expensive part of the vehicle. He bought a 2013 Tesla last year and it didn't work after a while. So he, he, he drove 930 miles. That's it. And an error code popped up. He took it into the repair shop. The estimate needs a new battery. All right. How much? 24,000. Whoa, wait, what? Because Musk had said in 2019, a total battery replacement should cost, you know, five to seven grand, 24K. So he decided, I'm just going to blow the thing up. And he hired some guys, strapped dynamite all over it, blew it up on YouTube. And you know, the reason I bring this up, number one, poor guy. Number two, funny way to handle it. Number three, this is the problem when we say, oh, we're going to get rid of all the gasoline powered cars. We're going to go all the way to electric cars and no problem. And we'll just, well, guess what? People aren't going to be able to afford these. I mean, 2013 was the, so this car was only eight years old and you're going to have to spend $24,000 to replace the battery. I just bought my used car this year, a Hyundai Santa Fe. It was a 2019. I bought it for $23,000. And that thing's going to last me way more than eight years. The car I had before that was a Honda Odyssey minivan that was an 01, and I sold it this year. It was a good 20 years in that car. And I bought that one for 14000 Yeah, I like to drive my cars a long time. You're cheap, Greg. I'm frugal. I'm frugal, and it was a great car. The person of the year poll for The Guardian, the left-wing newspaper in Great Britain, they've taken the poll down. You know why? J.K. Rowling was winning. <laughs> they did not expect that. Didn't see it coming. Yeah, J.K. Rowling is the liberal feminist author of Harry Potter, and she stands up for women's rights, women's sports, women in locker rooms without people with penises claiming to be women standing next to them and competing against them. And so they're calling her transphobic, and so therefore she's awful, and how dare people say she might be the person of the year. That's very funny. Bradford Betts, 
pointing out this continuing softening of crime, if it's the right kind of crime, a Portland Antifa rioter charged last year with assaulting police officers has had a federal case drop. She could have had a maximum of five years, and instead she got 30 hours community service case dismissed. Eva Warner of Beaverton, Oregon, police said also is known as Joshua Warner, interesting, Uh, Charged in September 2020 with felony civil disorder. She was at a lot of these riots all throughout Portland. Portland police said she directed a high-powered laser into the eyes of law enforcement officers trying to disperse the crowd. She resisted arrest, prompted officers to use force. A laser pointer was found on her person. She was booked into custody, charged with intentionally obstructing, impeding, interfering with law enforcement officers, but later released without bail. Huh. About a week later, Arrested again, charged with second-degree criminal mischief with another riot. Again, released from custody without bail. A week after that, arrested a third time. Connection with another riot, charged with interfering with police again. Second-degree disorderly conduct and released without bail. You're sensing a pattern. She was looking at a maximum five-year sentence in federal prison if convicted. And instead, the acting U.S. attorney for the District of Oregon filed a motion asking the court to Dismiss with prejudice the indictment against Warner in the best interest of justice. You know, 30 hours community service, that's fine. Could you imagine if somebody at the January 6th riot had done these things and then been released and done them time and time again? Do you think 30 hours of community service would have been enough? Oh, yeah. There, there, there's equal justice all across America. Mike Miller, talking about justice, reporting from the Washington Times. Um, uh, he's reporting what the Washington Times said. Did you know the most common type of case that federal prosecutors bring in federal court is not drugs, it's not fraud, it's cases against illegal aliens who were deported and then tried to re-enter the country again. Now, federal courts are facing a challenge to that law. And the challenge is that that law is racist. What? Yeah, it's racist because, see... Most of the people deported who come back again are Hispanic. And therefore, it's obviously racist because a disproportionate number of, of one type of ethnicity is impacted by it. Yeah, but our, isn't our border with Mexico? And doesn't that mean most of the people coming over will be Hispanic? Well, I mean, they're not all from Mexico. Yeah, but I mean, even further south in Central America, those are all Hispanic nations too, right? Well, yeah, you're right. But I mean, so what? It's just not fair. It's not right. It's obviously racist because they're disproportionate. No, of course it's not. I mean, talk about ridiculous. Whether you're from China, whether you're from any country in Africa, whether you're from any country in Europe, whether you're from Canada, the only reason we don't have more Canadians doing it is because they like living in Canada. It's not the same crap hole that a lot of Mexico is. So you can't say that about Mexico. Well, then why do they all want to come over? Because they're coming from the crappy places in Mexico. They don't have much choice, they feel. Their 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 economic situation is not very good. You go further down into Central America, the same people are coming. Why else would you come? If your country was great and everything was going well, you wouldn't leave everything to come to America. This is not rocket science. But no, the judge, oh yes, yes. Judge Miranda Dew, an Obama appointee, what a shocker, said the section of immigration law that makes it a felony for an illegal alien previously ousted to sneak back into the country, quote, has racist antecedents dating to the 1920s. So he's saying is some of the people that wrote it may have been racist, so therefore the law is like racist. It's section 1326 of the U.S. Code and governs re-entry of removed aliens. Those found guilty of re-entry can be sentenced up to two years in prison. Those with drug records or a basic felony in their criminal record can face up to 10 years or 20 years if they have an aggravated felony record. 
Chris Kobach is a former Republican secretary of state in Kansas, prominent legal figure among groups pushing for stricter immigration control, and said, the judge's conclusions are ridiculous. This law is neutral on its face. It is justified by a multitude of legitimate reasons having nothing to do with race. It is nonsense to declare that the statute must be cleansed in some way because an unknown number of legislators who supported a predecessor statute a century ago might have been racially biased. But that's where we are today. And that's why it's so important who gets to nominate these judges and who confirms them. My name is Greg Knapp. This is the Greg Knapp Experience.